All right, Tom Panos, John McGrath. I'll say it one more time. Tom Panos, John McGrath. How are you, Johnny? You're getting louder and stronger and more confident with that introduction. Well, I said it before, John. The way you start your day is the way you generally unfolds. And uh, Same for the podcast. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I love it. Um, vendor management, have to talk about it. Our real estate listeners and our general real estate audience across the country are saying, hey, you know what? There's less bidders, there are less people coming to an open. It's still good, but what I need to do is actually start educating my vendors that prices aren't going up every day anymore. So I, th- I think the thing about managing expectations, Tom, is it doesn't matter what the market is, because you can manage them in a down market, in a plateauing market, or up. It is a skill and an art that an agent or anyone in business, not just sales agent, I think needs to master which is managing expectations. And this is not what you know, some old-fashioned dinosaur agents call conditioning. Yeah. I want to make that very clear, because conditioning has negative connotations, and it feels aggressive, and it feels like you're really manipulating them for your own benefit. Even though I think some people that use that, that phrase loosely don't, don't mean those things. But you know, I guess what I, I wanted to talk about today is you know, you, you, you list a property for sale, the relationship's good, they wouldn't sign the agreement if they weren't happy with you. And yet what we do know along the way is often it goes off track. It goes off track means one of probably two things and, and often both. One is you don't get the result, you don't sell the property. Two is they get less thrilled with you and, and the relationship starts souring. So my view is when you actually start a relationship with a client, from that day onwards it should get better, not worse. So I think by the end of it, I remember I used to be in that, as you might, you may remember or know, Tom, I was a trainee car salesman. And I remember um, just for a year when I, I left school and, and it was a great grounding for me and, and it's a tough, tough industry. But I remember a really great salesman at the time and he said to me, when they drive out of the drive having bought a car from me, that's when the relationship starts. As opposed to for most people, when the relationship finishes. I think a lot of agents think that they list the property and they almost have a, an expectation themselves that there's going to be, you know, sort of go down. I think people want information, advice, straight talk, facts, figures, so they can make an informed choice every step of the way. And I think an agent that's on his or her game and can provide all that and not get too carried away. I mean, managing expectations, it's got a lot to do with what you say as well along the way. And if you build up at the point of listing, price is a, is a great area. A lot of people say, well, Tom, you know, look, I'm 1.2. I'm not out of here unless I get 1.2. A lot of agents at that point make what I think is often the mistake of saying, Tom, no problems. 1.2 won't be a drama. And, you know, they kind of say it. They probably, hopefully they mean it and hopefully they're thinking it. If you just choose your words carefully, and you say something more like, you know, Tom, my role is to get the best possible outcome. Whether that's one, two, one, three, or one, one, I guess time will tell. I'm very clear, though, I'm hearing you that your expectation and your goal is to achieve at least 1.2. So I'm clear on that. My goal is actually to achieve as, as high a price as possible. Oh, that, that, guys, girls, just stop that. Replay that. Because I think that issue is not going away, John. If you're, if you're in real estate, you better get used to that part of the conversation. You better get used to whether you're going to stay neutral, whether you're going to give them false hope, whether you're going to blatantly lie to them, yeah. or whether you're going to make them feel defensive. And I think the way that you answered that 
is excellent because it is the truth. Yeah, and, and it's important, as we say this time, not to be negative either, because you can say that in a negative way and either lose the business or start having your, your client feel not supported. And I know Beth one Richards, who's a great friend of both of ours and one of the great agents in this country, and the feedback I'd had over the years often about Beth one is, you know, John, even when things were going bad, she was always positive and optimistic about the future and she always gave us hope that we would get a result and she never overpromised. but so I guess the fine line is as you manage your expectations don't go to the dark side or the negative side so it's not about saying well Tom look I don't think that 1.2 is likely to get there you need to be lowering your expectations and I think it's more around 1.1 1 .1. um, because again that's you don't know and that's taking away the possibility and sometimes we get 1.3 so I think so it's hope is a good thing, John, isn't it? You do need to give people some hope. Well, well, I mean, at the end of the day, so many times, especially in this market in, in areas like Sydney, Tom, we do get 1.3 when the comparables are pointing more towards 1.1. So my view is always, I don't go to the negative or the positive. I say, Tom, you know, I, I hear what you're after. So the comparables are at the moment are pointing around 1.1 to 1.150. I guess if we look at it, 1.2 is only 3, 4% away from that. And my job is to get you the most possible. So what I want to do is spend the rest of this meeting sitting down working out the plan that you and I can undertake as a team to maximise the result, which involves styling, marketing, presenting the home, um, the method of sale. All those sort of things are going to affect the price. So John, is managing the expectation beginning at the listing presentation? A hundred percent. Uh, you know, some could argue even beforehand because my view is what you do prior to the listing presentation is going to have some impact. But certainly from the time you, you list the property and whilst you're listing it, and then once you list it, the meeting you have thereafter, I'll often talk to people at a, 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 an appointment straight after Tom, and I'll say, Tom, you know, throughout the sale there's a lot of moving parts. I'm going to have photographers work on this, I'm going to have landscape gardeners, I'm going to have my team, a whole range of things it's almost inevitable there's going to be a mistake or two. That just happens. That's a part of life when you've got a lot of stuff happening in a short period of time. All I ask you is if something is not to your liking, not to your satisfaction, or if you see something you think is a mistake, let me know and I'll fix it for you. So again, that's part of managing expectation. I'm almost having them set up to expect a couple of things may go wrong, which often they do. So it's interesting you use that word, set up. Is this part of your set to sell meeting. Correct. Okay. So can it's to a, our listeners, it's an agenda can you explain item. what the set to sell meeting is? You've Well about. look, you list the property, let's call that the listing presentation and, and we sign it up and that's great. I think to then get straight into the sale without a a uh, subsequent meeting to that is a mistake. Because the vendor probably doesn't know what they don't know. They need some hand holding and explanation. Things like I've just said, you know, things can go wrong. Things like um, what's going to happen on the auction day. Things like, what happens, Tom? You know, here's a possibility, Tom. Sometimes when we go through a whole marketing campaign, the best buyer arrives five minutes before the auction. Sometimes the first person through the door is the best buyer. So what I'm going to need you to do is sort of like work with me to, and trust the information that I give you that we don't know when we're going to find the best buyer. Because one of the problems is, as most agents listening to this now know, Often you get your best offer day one. You bring someone through, they make a great offer. The vendor said, oh, well, if that's the offer they've made today, they're going to make a better one in a month. And in a month, you end up passing it in and selling it for 20000 less than the original offer. Well, 
and, and a lot of people blame the vendor. Oh, well, the vendor should have taken the offer. My view is that you must set that up as a possibility. So you need to say, Tom, it's quite possible the first buyer that I actually bring through the home is the best buyer and makes the best offer. So let's just, every single time I have someone through, I'm going to give you feedback and I'm going to try and guide you to the best of my ability as to how we're going to get the best result. And by the way, sometimes it'll be the last person that comes through the property. So I think from, from what that... Else, so what else is covered at that set to sell? I mean, that's, that's, that's excellent because what you're saying is don't be surprised that you're going to have to make a decision about accepting an offer if we're fortunate enough after seven days. And it's far better having that conversation with them before it happens. Exactly than right. Than when it actually happens. Because when it actually happens, it's sort of a little bit salesy. I mean, you're telling me now because it suits That's you. That's right. I told you the auction was a great thing to do. And I told you marketing the property and getting everyone through it. Now, John, after the first uh, showing, you want me to sell it? That, so I, I think that's setting up that expectation. I talk about inspections. Here's what I expect. When I bring a buyer through, Tom, you know, it's much more comfortable for them and probably for you if you're not in the home. Obviously, at an open for inspection, you won't be there, but even for a private viewing. And here's why. So I'll explain the reasons why people want to go through and they want to speak openly to me about what they do and don't like about the property. So I'll talk about things like inspections. I'll talk about my expectation for how they'll present the home. So I want my homes staged and looking like they've just stepped out of Vogue magazine. So I talk to them about detailing, styling, presenting furniture, furniture decluttering. So how I would really like to, because that's value add. If you just take the client's home and just open the door, there's no value add there. What you need to do is say, Tom, here's how I think we can best present the home for the target market that I think you're going to want to buy your home most. So I talk about that. I even talk about the music that I like playing and the music station or the CDs and those sort of things. So we get it just right. It's got to be, you know, the detail's got to be really obsessed over. John, is this set to sell many? As we're talking, I'm trying to work out, is it happened there at the listing presentation or is it happening a day after or two days after? Or Pre preferably a couple of days after, only because sometimes a successful listing presentation can take a couple of hours. And you get to the end of it, and there's almost a celebratory mode, and Tom, we want to work with you and sign up here. I think sometimes it's not quite the energy to go into, okay, now let me take you through what's going to happen next. Having said that, I've done a lot of them immediately following, but probably more often I'll do them a couple of days later when they can gather their, gather their thoughts and gather, gather their energy, and then we go back through it. So I think that's important. Um, the other thing around vendor management, Tom, so managing expectations is important, but it's frequency of contact, so I talk about daily vendor calls, weekly face-to-face -face meetings, and weekly written reports. I've got to tell you, John, for some of our listeners, when they hear the words daily uh, conversations, that's a foreign thing to them. Then a lot of the industry would think that I can't speak to a vendor every day. I don't know what I'm going to say to them on Wednesday that I didn't tell them on Tuesday. Yeah, well, I used to speak to mine most of the time two or three times a day. So a couple of reasons I can do that. Number one is I wouldn't take open listings. So everything that I listed, I was committed to 100% and they were committed to 100%. Number two is I almost never did sales that didn't have a marketing program attached to them. Therefore, I was creating activity from day one. Number three is I work very closely with my colleagues in the office and I engage them and I engage their buyers. And there was always activity. So I think if you don't have activity on almost a daily basis on every one of your listings, you need to ask yourself why. You need to get better at selling marketing. 
Um, you need to have more of those conversations. And, you know, by the way, Tom, sometimes the conversation was, I wish I had something positive to say today, but I haven't had any inquiry since yesterday. I just wanted to keep you informed that I'm, I'm on the job and focused on you, and, you know, I'll speak to you tomorrow. Okay, so... Don't make up stuff. No. So, John, daily conversations, weekly face-to-face, did you say? And followed up with a weekly written report Right. after the weekly face-to-face. Okay, so... The weekly report they get before the face-to-face? Afterwards. Afterwards. Yeah. Summarising what's been discussed. And the, the importance of that, Tom, is I didn't want to put something in writing that I haven't already told them. Because sometimes the stuff in writing is a bit sensitive. So, you know, we know that people see their home a bit like they see their kids and their pets. It's like, you know, it's, it's a part of them. And some people get offended if there's any level of criticism or let's call it constructive feedback. But we know that... If I've had 100 buyers through it and I've got no offers and no one wants to come back next week for a second time, there's probably a reason. So we need to discuss that reason. John, what's a bit of advice you give to the guy or girl listening here that loves all aspects of real estate, but the one bit they don't like is having that face-to-face meeting with the vendor, not being able to give them good news, yeah. even though they know that their owner is actually not being realistic. I kind of take the adjective good and bad out and I just talk about giving them the news, giving them updates. Because I think that, you know, 12 contracts, some people call that good news, I just say "Here's, here's where we're at. Some people say no contracts is bad news, again, this is where we're at. As long as it's followed up with, here's how I think we should need to progress. So I'm very big on making recommendations. In the set-to-sell meeting or early on, what I say to people is words to the effect of, Tom, one of the reasons that I guess you've seen us sell a lot of our properties is because we're very honest with our clients. We tell them what we're hearing. There's, there's you know, no filtration system. There's no sugar coating. We just tell them what we're hearing and we make recommendations on how we can progress. That seems to be a very successful formula because our clients often say to us, we want to know what's happening. We want to be in the loop. If you're okay with that, I would like to report everything along the way as I hear it. Are you okay? I've never had a vendor in 32 years that hasn't said, yeah, sure, you know, I want to know. No one that says, no, no, keep me in the dark. I don't want to hear anything about it. So I think you give yourself the opportunity by getting permission, and then you just follow that through. And again, it's not negative or positive. It's, you know, 40 groups through the property on the weekend, Tom. At this point in time, I wish I could say I had a strong buyer, but I haven't got a strong buyer. The feedback I'm getting is this, and I'll send you a report tonight with a bit more detail, but here is the reason I think these 40 people are not going to buy your home. So I talk through in a calm, confident manner, not negative, and people get it. And at the end of it, I mean, I have what a lot of people would loosely that watched it call a negative conversation. I don't call it negative. And then the vendor says, well, thank you so much for that. It's really helpful, and it's given me something to think about, and it's given me a plan to go forward with. So I think you've just got to see that as, as an agent, part of your job is to forensically understand what it is the market likes and doesn't like about the property and then relay that through the vendor in not a harsh way, not an embarrassed or embarrassing way, um, but just a calm statement of the facts. Yeah. Well, I've got to say, John, if you're saying 
daily conversations and I work out over a four week period, that's 24 points of contact there, another four face to face, that's uh, 28, uh, uh, writing to them four times, that's 32. You're not gonna have a vendor that doesn't know the truth. No surprises. No surprises. There should be no surprise. Come auction day, no surprises. So I've got to say that we've spoken about frequency. We've spoken about telling them a remarkable concept, the truth. Yeah. Replace negative with the truth. Replace positive with the truth. Yeah. We've spoken about making sure that after you felt like you've achieved that great thing, that listing in this competitive world, that you actually spend the time to prepare them for the next four weeks, which you at McGrath have defined and called set to sell. Yeah, you should have a system, and they should know what your system is. Yeah. And Tom, the final thing, because I know we're wrapping up in one second, but this applies to buyers as well. You know, I have buyers where I get an offer and acceptance for them on a property and they're ecstatic, and I say, Tom, let's not be ecstatic until we exchange contracts. I don't want you to celebrate. There's no champagne corks to be popped. I need you to get on your skates, get into your solicitor, get that deposit into them because your, your ability to buy this is at risk until you exchange. So again, I need to manage the buyer's expectations and the seller's because otherwise you find buyers, they're running off, they're telling everyone they bought it, they delay it, they miss it and they blame you. So you know, I've I got to make sure that whoever I'm dealing with, I need to manage their expectations until we get the result that everyone's after. Okay. We started off having a conversation about vendor management. I think an ideal name for this podcast would have been managing expectations full stop. And that appears to be a critical behavior of a successful real estate agent. John, have a great week. Until next time. Thanks, Tom.